Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Struzinski, and thank you so much for joining us on episode number 85 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest is one of the true innovators and heavyweights in the poker streaming world, having worked for many years on Live at the Bike and now quickly developing Hustler Casino Live into one of the major players in streamed poker broadcasts. With constantly star-studded lineups, including a recent stream that saw Phil Hellmuth and Tom Dwan join some of the biggest influencers from gaming and from YouTube, our guest has created must-see viewing for any poker fan. Today, we get to know him a little better. Ryan Feldman, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. Thank you, Robbie. It's good to be here. I appreciate it. Good to see you, man. Uh, you know, I, I remember we first met a few years ago, and I was like, Who's this, who's this guy? Like, why haven't I heard of him? At the time, I wasn't involved. I had no idea about the whole streaming world. But already, even then, just a few years ago, you were deeply entrenched in it. And I'm grateful that uh, we have a chance over the next hour or so to get to know each other a little bit better. Uh, you're obviously very familiar these days. Uh, you know, Everyone knows you for your work in the poker streaming world. But I'm just sort of curious, how did you first get your start in poker in the first place? Uh, sure. So um, I played poker since college. I graduated college in, or I was in college from 2003 to 2007. So right at that beginning of the, the moneymaker boom, I learned it in college in my fraternity house and I played a bunch in college. And after college, I played a little bit here and there. I, you know, this is obviously when online poker was big. I would put some money on the website. I'd run it up and then lose it, take a break, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and so then uh, around 2010, um, I grew up right near where Parks Casino was, and they opened their poker room. And so I got really into it then. I started playing more for that next year. And then I started working at ESPN in Connecticut. I moved up there. And um, after the, the first year, I was a bit bored on my off days. I wasn't doing much. So I got back into poker again. I hadn't played in a while, really. And um, I started going to Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun, and I would play on my off days every week You know, for that next year or two. That's when I really started taking it serious and playing. Then I moved to LA. Um, I transferred to the ESPN LA office to work on NBA Countdown. I started playing even more there um, because I was closer to the casinos now and um, there's more poker rooms. So I started playing a lot, um, you know, and, and as time went on, I had a lot of friends that were really good at poker that played a lot that I would hang out with. Um, I lived with some poker players in LA actually. And then um, I decided to leave ESPN in 2016 because I wanted to try to play poker more and figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, I kind of was bored with how ESPN had evolved a bit into more corporate and whatnot. And, and I was just like, I'm ready for the next thing. So um, a few months after that, that's when I had an opportunity to become an owner and producer of Live at the Bike. I'd already been involved with them playing, commentating a few times and an opportunity rose and I'm like, wow, this is perfect. I can produce, uh, I can, I can produce, right? Like, like I'm, I'm involved in production. I, I like production. I like being able to have ideas in, in that field. And um, it's poker, which is my passion right now. I get to organize things, organize lineups, organize games, which I always had a passion for just being kind of in charge and organizing things in different, different facets. And I'm like, wow, this would be perfect. And so I jumped on it. I came up with some ideas. They brought me on and, you know, the rest was history. I kind of started doing that in late 2016. 
Parks. That's pretty cool. And for those who don't know, Parks Casino is located in Philadelphia. Ryan's got that subliminal message oh, yeah, going yeah. on. He's wearing <laughs> the uh, Allen Iverson, Eric Snow retro NBA jam shirt. That uh, makes me want to yeah. play my old, uh, you know, Van Exel and Eldon Campbell team uh, from back in, from back that in the day. probably wasn't the best jam team. No, it wasn't, uh, but it just shows a true and true Laker fan, not just when we yeah. had Kobe and Shaq. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'm curious, though, you said you went to college. First of all, which college was it? I went to Temple, who Eddie Jones okay. went there. Probably on there you go. Too. There you go. Uh, yeah, so, Temple in Philly. Okay, and so, I mean, at the time, like you said, you had been playing a lot of poker. Obviously, you're steeped in the game, but, you know, you went to college, you majored in something. I guess you had... What, what, what was your major, first of all? Communications broadcasting. Okay. So, so I always – I wanted yeah. to do sports broadcasting back in the day. I, I When I grew up, I wanted to be in some sort of sports broadcasting, play-by-play or sports radio. That was what I wanted to do since I was a kid, since I realized that I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. And so I always had a passion for that. And then when I got out of college – I did a lot of broadcasting stuff in college. I, I – um, I did uh, play-by-play for Temple Women's Basketball um, on, it was like through Yahoo Sports for a, a year or two in college, and they're, they're actually pretty good. That's when Don Staley was coaching them. And um, I worked for a website where I would do uh, like video reports on games at Temple and different uh, Philly uh, basketball games. And then when I got out of college, I realized how hard it was to get a broadcasting job or even a radio job in sports um you have to be like really 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 good or you got to have really really good connection connections because there's like there's so much competition you know and um even at that you might have to start in some random town in iowa for eighteen thousand dollars a year or something so it's really hard and so um i was like okay how do i get into this how do i get to do what i want to do because i've always been the kind of person where i want to when i want to do something I, I just, I focus on that. I do it, whatever the sacrifice is, I'm going to stick with it. You know, I'm not going to give up. So I created a college basketball NBA draft website right out of college. And I used that to kind of make a name for myself. So I developed it from the ground up. I started just like spamming different college basketball forums, you know, Hey, check out this article. And, um, you know, I had a friend of mine who builds, builds websites, built it for me. And uh, I just put content up, put up different articles. And um, from doing that for a few months, I, I would get, I started getting media credentials to go to games. So I was able to, you know, go to these, um, you know, different college events or a different college games or like Madison Square Garden events. And I would say, hey, um, I find the media contact and say, hey, I have this website, you know, here's my, some links. Can I come cover it? And some would say no, but some would say yes. And so I started covering more events. I started networking with a lot of the, media guys there. Um, I started writing for different like newspapers and, and publications just based off having um, examples for my website. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, started started getting like a little bit of traction in the college basketball journalism world on the internet. Um, people would start seeing my articles and talking about them. So yeah, I kind of just built up myself and I kind of went from there. So over those next few years, that's all I did was media college basketball, I mean, draft related things. And I was barely making any money. And then I ended up uh, getting the job at ESPN as a researcher in 2011. And then that's when I get transitioned to that. Right. So thank you for filling in that gap. You know, you mentioned ESPN. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Jumping 
yeah. college straight there. But at the same time, though, you know, when you have the streams, you always wanted to sort of be in production. And okay, sure, you know, no one's going to start as you know lead anchor for Sports Center or anything like that. But yeah, like, yeah. you know, to get a job, ESPN, you must have felt okay. I've made it. You know, that's a huge thing. And obviously, you know, and, and from there, obviously having ESPN on your resume, you know, gigantic thing uh, made that splash. And uh, it was just interesting to sort of hear that path. And you kind of mentioned, you know, you the, the reason why you left or you weren't, you know, pleased with the direction it was going. But it's just interesting to sort of hear that background. And it's not yeah. just, oh, OK, uh, I'd like to stream. Sounds good. You know, obviously <laughs> you've got the, you've got the, the credentials for that. Um, as far as poker, you know, before we get into the streaming, you, know, you mentioned you've been playing a lot. Uh, you look at your hand in mob. I see you got like close to three dozen caches uh, since 2012. Maybe not, might not sound like a lot, but you know that's three dozen more than I have. Uh, so I'm guessing you're more of a, of a cash game player. Uh, what stakes do you play, and is it anything besides hold'em? Um, yeah, I I don't play many tournaments. I did maybe early on, uh, like that was kind of probably more of what I played at the beginning. But yeah, I, I play just pretty much all cash. I don't I don't have time for you know, tournaments with them doing the show five days a week, obviously. So um, I like to play tournaments once in a while as a relaxing thing. Um, like during the World Series in October, November, I, I went out and played like two turbo events one weekend, but that was it. Um, but yeah, I play a lot of cash uh, over the last few years. Um, I play, play some pretty big games um, over the last few years. I, I'll play after the stream sometimes with the guys. So sometimes I'll jump in on Fridays or, um, you know, sometimes Thursdays or other days, but, um, yeah, I'll jump in as big as like hundred, 200 games. And, um, uh, I'll still play in some like private online app games as well. So I've kept myself occupied playing a lot over the last few years when I'm not, um, when I'm not producing the games. So, um, pretty much my life is either organizing games, producing games or, or playing poker on the side. Obviously, uh, you know, beyond, you know, having, thankfully, the bankroll to play in games that high, kind of have to have the skills, you know, you don't usually have a, a bunch of luck boxes uh, in games <laughs> like those. What do you do as far as like study and, you know, continuing to up your own personal game, uh, you know, in, in preparation for, for those sorts of games? Uh, yeah, so I don't, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm different than a lot of people. I, I don't, do like any sort of studying in terms of like I've never done like solvers or I've never read books or anything like that um I've for the most part I've really over the years just consumed content and and just learned from experience and from broad like broadcasting and producing the game so you know I'm commentating over so many games I'm uh watching so many games from producing like think about how much poker I consume you know on, on a daily weekly basis. So, yep. um, based on that, I, um, that that's kind of like helped me evolve as a player since I started, you know, when I started working alive the bike and then, and then to now, um, also I, I don't play in super tough games. So, um, I, I wouldn't, I know that if I played in games with like a bunch of solid pros, I'd probably get wrecked. So that's, I, I'm never going to like tell someone that I'm, you know, a world-class player or anything like that. I think I do decent against, um, uh, you know, a, a, against like a field of mostly businessmen, recreational players, and a few pros maybe. But if I was playing against eight pros, I would I would probably be the worst player at the table. So, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy playing in just more like fun games 
um, games with like people that I consider my friends um, that I play a lot with. And those are kind of like the games that I've played with, played in mostly over the last few years. I'd say that, you know, part of what makes a person a good poker player, a very important part is game selection. So you clearly have that game and that part down. Um, and I, I personally find it very refreshing. Uh, and I think that a lot of folks here uh, in the Cards Chat audience find that very relatable. Hey, I'm not just, you know, the guy who's studying solvers. Uh, I personally find it very relatable as well myself. You know, I'm also, yeah. I consider myself a recreational player. Uh, but, you know, same thing, like also just very steeped in the game. I've watched enough and consumed enough content as well. I, I never studied a chart in my life, uh, but that's pretty cool to hear that, um, you know, with that and not necessarily the book study or the training side to the solvers that you still are playing at a very high level. And uh, I've always just, been like, yeah. a, I've always been like the kind of guy where, for whatever reason, where I just naturally like consume a lot of information. So it gets stored in my mind. So if yeah. I like, see a bunch of hands from just producing them or commenting over them they'll just be in my head so now i see somebody do like the same thing it just automatically like i just kind of can in my head process like oh i remember when they did that they do this and i'll just like remember a random hand history they played from like 2018 so i'm just weird like that where um i can i can remember those things so I, awesome. I, I guess i guess that yeah i guess that has helped me um but yeah, it's it's more just learning from watching a good player saying like, oh, he's doing this because this and this and just talking to people or hearing people say things It kind of like I'm able to like pick things up quickly and understand I'll, I'll be in a we'll be producing the game and, you know, I'll be watching Garrett play and uh, I'll predict like his bet size and like it on the river or something. And and the guys I'm working with will be like surprised sometimes that. I'm able to somehow like nail it or come close to the exact size that he, that he chooses to bet on a river, but right. it's really just, uh, it's just learning from experience over the years, really. All right. Well, you mentioned, you know, Garrett Edelstein and, you know, right away all the men are all kind of smiling and say, I want to play like that guy. And all the women are <laughs> swooning up oh, Garrett. So we will talk about him just a little bit later. Um, but uh, you know, one last question before we move into more of the streaming stuff, just as far as a player, uh, especially since you're more of a cash game player, do you have any sort of, goals you know are there any tournament goals or lifetime earnings or to keep moving up is there anything like that or it's just you know just keep on playing and, and having uh you know a seat at the table yeah no i mean my um i mean the the only games i play in pretty much are are, are games that i'm organizing or that i'm deeply involved in so i don't really I, like I, I i'm just i'm not at the stage of my life where i'm gonna like go to the casino and just like jump in a game uh like I'm at the casino five days a week producing a show. And then, you know, along with producing the show, a big part of it is organizing the games. And so the games often go afterwards. So, you know, sometimes I got to stay afterwards. Sometimes I play with them. Sometimes I don't. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> I don't get like a lot of free time, um, but I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll play on my phone, like at home sometimes. Um, but really I, I, I like playing poker. Uh, all of us that are in the poker world obviously like playing poker. I like it a lot. It's fun. It's relaxing, um, especially if it's like a game with people I enjoy playing with that are fun and have like similar action to me that, you know, I, I'm not the type of person that's going to sit there and just like knit it up and, and wait for hands. You know, I, I want to play hands. I want to three bet, four bet a lot. I want to bluff. I want to hero call. And so when I'm playing with people that play like me, then it, it is a lot of fun. But my my main goal is really just to 
to be known for, you know, what I'm doing for organizing games, for putting the shows together. And I, I just, I get more enjoyment just out of like knowing that I put a fun game together and that everyone's playing in the game, like enjoys it and wants to keep coming back. And so, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll play that game sometimes and, you know, sometimes I'll win, sometimes I'll lose and hopefully I'll, I'll win more in the long run. Um, but it, it's really for me more fun just knowing that like, Hey, I put this together. Like these guys are having fun. This is cool. And that's awesome. really what's going to keep me going long-term. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll always like play poker in those games sometimes on the side, but when I put the games together, my goal isn't to put the games together for me to play. I'm not putting the games together so that I can make money. I'm putting them together because I just love to be the guy who organizes things and the people can come to and say like, Hey, I want to play. And the same thing with the show or any outside sure. game. And so, you know, if I happen to play in some of those games once in a while because they want me to play, cool. But I really just enjoy being able to put things together for people. Okay. Well, I definitely segs uh, nicely into, I guess, the main segment uh, of the show. You know, there's, of course, a, a, li- a lot of behind-the-scenes work involved in putting together that live stream. Like any television show or broadcast, anyone who's ever toured a, a TV studio, you see all the cameras and the screens and monitors everywhere. Uh, you know, we will talk a little bit about building the lineup. It's obviously an integral part, but uh, could you kind of sort of give us, you know, for those unfamiliar, a little bit of a rundown. What does it take, even just on the technical side, to, to put a live stream on and broadcast something? Um, sure. So, when we started it, um, so my partner, Nick Vertucci, he, you know, plays a big role as well as just a lot of behind the scenes things and, and helping put this together initially. And um, um, through him, we got two guys that we met with that we said, hey, this is what we envisioned. This is how we want it to be. This is exactly what we want. And they came in and put it together exactly what we told them we wanted. And so it took a long time. We took our time before we debuted. It took months. In reality, probably uh, like close to a a year um, from from when we first mapped things out to when we went on the air. And um, those guys set everything up. And so it it took a lot of, you know, putting it together, getting it right, training us, all of that, rehearsing. But they set it up so that now – when we come in every day to work, it's a system in place and there's things that happen once in a while where something doesn't work or whatever, but you know, we learn how to troubleshoot it based off experience. And if I need to call our tech guy, Hey, how do I do this? He'll tell us, but for the most part, everything's set up now um, because of them. And um, we come in and we know how to start it, how to do this and how to do that. And it works. And so um, we have me, we have our, our technical director, Patrick, who operates the cameras and does all the creative stuff with the production. Um, and then we have, um, an audio person and we have a, a graphics person. And so that's, that's our team, um, in the, the control room. And so I'm kind of overseeing everybody, um, supervising, um, doing a lot of the things in between graphics, um, things like that. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, what goes into it from a technical side, it's, it's really just, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's really just our, getting everything set up every day, turning on the stream, recording, you know, having, um, we're, we're on an hour delay on during the week, longer delay on Fridays. Um, everything's kind of just there. Our technical director, you know, 
it's different buttons that he's pushing. It's a very hard job. It's an intense job. He's constantly multitasking. He's looking over here at, at something in queue while he has what's on the screen and he has to follow the hand and the action, who's it on, all of that. So there's a lot that goes into that. You know, there's our graphics person who's uh, Brett, who's who's constantly in um, communication with the dealer. And so the dealer is telling him, uh, raise to 300, call, call, fold, fold, raise to 2,000. You know, and he has to follow the action and be on it. And he has to try to enter it as quickly as possible so we keep up. Right. And so that happens. And, um, and then we have our audio person who's just um, in the zone, listening to the whole table program, trying to follow conversations to find the best conversations, isolating the microphone so that we just hear the important people turning everyone else down. Now there's a big hand brewing. Okay, we have a split screen. Boom. These two people, two people's mic numbers up, everyone else down. Let's focus on them so that if they say something in this big 100K pot, we're going to hear them. So um, that's a lot of it. And then I'm communicating with the floor man, with the dealer. I'm communicating with each of them. Um, I'm listening to program to hear what players are saying. Um, I am watching the, the action to make sure that the, you know, the, act, the graphics on the screen are right and all of that. And so it's just like a big, uh, yeah, it's just a big operation with each other, four of us. And uh, we're just keeping everything going. And then, that's pretty much it. And we just record every day and we stream it on hour delay. And then uh, at the end of the day, we, it saves automatically to YouTube and we just come in the next day and do it again. Amazing. And then we have a video editor at home, uh, a video editor that comes in. Sometimes he works from home a lot, Kyle, and he puts together highlight videos for us and works communication with him. Hey, what highlights do we want? He's downloading the stream. And yeah, so it's, it's a small team, but it's like everybody involved loves it. And, and they're super good at what they do. And um, that helps a lot. And, and like, you know, you say you're in an hour delay, but that's obviously just for like, you know, gaming regulation purpose. It's not like you have an extra hour for all intents and purposes. You're right, directing right. A, a live production. No, no, uh, we direct it live. Exactly. It just, yeah, yeah we do it exactly. Like you said, we, we just, we chose, we choose to air it on an hour delay. Um, right. Fridays we do a longer delay. Um, we could do shorter, like for the, the Mr. V stream, we did a 30 minute delay for different reasons, but um yeah, it, it doesn't change anything as far as the production. There's no gap. There's no, it's just, we we're recording in live time and then it just happens to air an hour later. So we all let's just go a little bit deeper and talk about those specifics. And you said you went into Hustler Casino Live. Um, there's a lot of things that kind of make it unique. And you said you had a very specific vision for, for what you wanted. And, you know, you and Nick uh, Vertucci are developing the show could you kind of sort of tell us, you know, you don't have to obviously reveal proprietary information, but like what were some of the things that you wanted to see? And, you know, the team there on the ground at Hustler, um, you know, they, they created it. They managed to go ahead and make your dream production come true. Um, first of all, that must have felt pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so could, like, what, what did that vision look like for you? Um, yeah, so a lot of it was me and Nick sat down to talk about what we things we want to do and what our priorities are. Um, a lot of it for me personally was based off experience working at ESPN. So mm. um, coming from that background, I said, okay, it's, it's hard to, to perfect a poker stream. You know, a lot of people try it. A lot of it's just basic, same stuff. How do we make ourselves different and stand out, be a high quality and like really be a, a TV level production. So in my, in my mind, I wanted to be certain elements to be kind of like, I would always say, like, imagine you're watching NBA on ABC, right? And like things that they do. And so, for example, I wanted to have these um, like record player interviews and have them in our system. So when somebody wins a hand, we can play a little interview in the corner of the screen 
um, while the game's still going on. And they talk about something related to the game. And so we did that. So we got that set up. Um, I want to be able to do live interviews so that, you know, we can talk to somebody while the game's going on live on the side. And so we, we did that um, on, on Fridays. We do that a lot. We did that in the Mr. Beast game at the beginning of the yep. show. Um, so, yeah, certain things like that. Um, and then just certain graphic things and um, just trying to, like, make it more professional and, and feel like you're watching a sports broadcast. So, um, yeah, we, we just always talk about that type of thing. And, and so um, we laid it out for, you know, me and Nick came up with all of our ideas of how we wanted to look and how we wanted to operate we laid out our ideas for our tech guys and they put it together. Another thing that, that was one of the first things we talked about was we wanted to be leaders in the industry in terms of having good game integrity and security. And so we came up with this plan at the beginning of how we're going to be different from everyone else and how nobody can use any cell phones or electronics when they're around the table and nobody in the production room can. So but we have like a security guard by our lockers and right before the show, um, our staff collects phones from everyone. They check to make sure no one has like a smartwatch on. We take all that. We lock them up in lockers. So anytime someone wants to use it, they have to leave the table, go over to the side to the lockers, use it there, put it back, come back to the table. And everyone in the production room, we have to put our phones um, in the, and the commentators too, even though the commentators aren't involved in the control room just because, I mean, they're not involved in production, but they're up there by the control room. So sure. same thing. Anyone up there has to put it in lockers. So we just wanted to be like super secure so that there's never ever like any potential issues or bad optics or anything like that. Um, sure. So that was one of the things as well that we kind of decided early on. So yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool to see our plan and our vision come to reality. It was actually, yes, definitely really cool for me um, to see it and be like, wow, like this is literally exactly what we wanted and it's actually happening. You know, it's, it's very cool. It doesn't, it doesn't happen very often, even just, you know, I, before the, the Mr. Beast game, you know, we, we had, we talked, did like a little pep talk with the, with our control room staff. And I was just like, thank you guys for, you know, like, this is an important show. Like, this is our biggest show. And I was like, thank you guys for just like coming in every day and being passionate about this and caring and being a part of it. And without you guys, I couldn't do this. This is where we really see like all the hard work we're doing come to light because there's going to be so many eyes on this game. And, you know, I said to them when we first started this, this type of lineup is like beyond my wildest dreams for what I wanted to put together, especially in this short of a time, you know, in like month nine or something. And, um, but I was like, this is like a dream lineup. This is what I envisioned. Like, can we get to this point, this type of thing? And it's pretty cool, you know, just to, just to do that. It's pretty surreal. It's hard to like, sit back and celebrate or relax and really think about like what's going on because it's like we're coming the next day like we did that game we were there till the game ended at four i was there till five something and then i was back in at one o'clock the next day to produce the next day show yeah but um but yeah it more, it's, right? <laughs> it, it's, yeah it's very cool just to see the results and see everyone talking about it on social media it's it's pretty surreal especially when you see like people talking about it who to me are like a big deal, you know, whether it's in poker or outside of poker, just seeing people like comment on it or even the players in that show who are, you know, Ninja, Mr. Beast, whatever, like seeing them talk about it on different streams. Like that's, that's very cool to me. Just knowing that they care and that they enjoyed it. So just, uh, you know, for, for sake of transparency to all of you out there in the card player, in the, uh, 
uh, Cards Chat uh, audience, you know, none of the interviewees ever see the questions. But Ryan, I got to say, you certainly preempted a couple of my questions I wanted to ask about security. And I like that you said, you know, I was, you know, you mentioned it on your own. It shows how paramount of an importance it has uh, as far as just, you know, making sure the game has the integrity and, you know, no funny business going on. Like you said, it's much more than just optics. It's, you know, anyone who knows that they have that level of security feels comfortable playing in a game like that. And it just, you know, perpetuates a very good uh, positive reputation for yourselves. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, that whole lineup building. I think, you know, universally, no matter how good a production is, if the lineup is kind of met, you know, maybe you won't have as many eyeballs. So, so yeah. how does one, you know, just kind of like fire up, you know, the the cell phone someday? Hmm. How does one put a, a lineup together? I mean, it, it really just comes together based off the network I've built over the years. So it's really just over the years. Um, first of all, just understanding the types of players that should be in a game that is really just like a, a private game in a lot of ways it's it's you're, you're trying to build the, the best game possible with the best people and the best characters and all of that and so um just over the years kind of just networking meeting different players staying in touch with them and, and really like a lot of them me and nick have just become friends with you know we're like actually friends we talk to them we'll do things outside of poker sometimes we'll you know we joke on text and whatever like these aren't just people that we're only just seeing at the poker table like we we actually know these people so just kind of networking and, and becoming friendly with a lot of these guys over the years and then also just knowing like what types of players we want that, that i want in the game so um you know it, 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 i need uh, i'm constantly just trying to make sure that there's not many pros in the games um especially in those monday to thursday games um usually none sometimes one at most two and if they are, there's like a reason it's because either we're just like out of players and we need to fill a seat or which happens, or it's like some sort of vlogger or, or a big name player, like a Garrett or something like that. And um, we, we want to make sure that like the, the lineups that like everybody in the game always believes they have a chance to win and that they're not looking around and saying like, Oh, I'm definitely the worst here. You know, I want everyone to say like, Oh, I could be that guy, that guy, that guy. And that, that's what makes a good lineup. You know, it has to be fun where everyone feels like they have a chance to win. There's action guys, there's recreational players, there's even players that are tight, maybe aren't that good, you know, or, or whatever it is, you know, and it just has to be a balanced lineup where it's not like, you know, it can't be like five really good pros and four really bad players. Like that's just going to not be fair, you know, um, or even worse, if it was like seven pros and like two, two bad players. That's awful because yeah, we already know what's going to happen. But if, if most of the players in the game, you know, aren't pros or maybe they're not that good, maybe they're like a semi-pro, then, you know, everyone has a chance to win. It's a fun lineup. And we want people that are good people, that have good personalities, that are likable. Um, they get along with people. They're good characters. They're entertaining. Like, they have to bring something to the table. And so just over the years, I've kind of just um, learned how to build those lineups. And um, I've just networked with those people, kept in touch with them. And then, you know, at this point, um, yeah, I kind of just know like, okay, like these are the guys that are going to play on Tuesdays. And we just, I just figure out like who's available on Tuesday. Okay. All right. These are the next guys. These guys can play Wednesdays or Thursdays. What day do you want to play? And it's just like a priority list where I'm just texting them every weekend and saying like, Hey, do you want to play this day or this day? Do you want to play this day? What day are you available? Do you want to play this week? You know, and just filling in the seats and 
figure it out. The Friday game becomes a little bit more difficult because it's a bigger game and it's harder to get people to want to play, you know, 100, 200 or 5,100 even, um, you know, uh, especially if you have, you know, some good players in the game, um, you know, Garrett gets a lot of eyeballs for us. And so um, people love watching him play, obviously. And so he's usually going to be in the game. And so, you know, so that it becomes a little bit trickier sometimes because, you know, the, some of these guys, some guys really like playing with Garrett, but some guys are like, oh, wow, he's too good. Like, I don't want to play. So that, of his that own becomes, success, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that becomes a thing and, and not just with him, but but he's the best example. Sure. Um, and so, you know, trying to figure out how to build lineups to spite certain things and, well, oh, shit, this guy's got to move. This guy can't play Tuesday now. He can only play Thursday. All right, who do I ask to move or what can I do or, you know, who's important to, to cater to here? And so, yeah, it's just it's just like organizational skills and also understanding how to build private games at the same time and just networking with these guys. I think all of that has just helped make it easier for me over the years to, to put these lines together. I would say there's a lot of resonance to, say, like a, a really good chef. You know, you've got like the Guy Fieri or, you know, or the Gordon Ramsay in there. They just kind of know, you know, what ingredients. And obviously you've got the yeah. experience after all this time. You kind of know what works. But if, you know, one of us uh, amateurs were just uh, to follow a, a recipe of sorts, you know, a third cup of oil and a little bit of flour, is there any sort of magical or a range, you know, for use a poker term, of a balance of like, you know, this certain number, like at an eight-handed or a nine-handed table, this many businessmen, this many, I don't know, sports stars, this many, like, is, is there, is there something to that? Or it's just really like, you can really only know after experience what works. Is there a formula? No, I'm not like, I don't have like a written down formula where I'm like, I got to hit these criteria every week um, or every day, but you know, yeah, I just kind of know what works. And I just kind of know who's, who's, who's important, you know, like I just, uh, I just want to put a game together where got, where like everybody at the table brings something to the table either they play a lot of hands either their action they're gonna play big pots they're gonna play you know some creative hands they're a funny you know interesting personality they have a big social media following you know there has to be something in that that they bring to the table they can't be you know they can't be a guy that plays 20 percent vpip they only play small pots and they don't talk and they're pretty good at poker like that's just what, what do you bring Not to the table? for TV, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you have to bring something, you know, it has to be one of those categories you have to hit at least. If you can hit all those categories or two of those categories, then you're definitely in. And so, you know, in my mind, there's just like a priority list of like, well, these guys are always going to have a seat on whatever day they want. These yeah. guys, you know, probably are. And then these guys, well, if there's a seat, they'll get a seat. And then these guys, yeah. well, if I have anything else, you know. Right. Right. So like in any good story you know or storytelling including you know poker tv storytelling you have heroes and villains would you say it's more important to have heroes or villains as far as engaging the audience um uh yeah i mean i guess you need both but i, I would say heroes i mean we don't have that many like villains so to speak that people like hate i, I don't think on our show hey, i wouldn't use the word hate but it's more of like you know, the foil for, for you know, the guy everyone's rooting for, you know? Yeah. I don't think we have that many on our show and we've been pretty successful. I think, I think that, you know, yeah, it helps, but I think in poker, like people can just enjoy it just from watching, from rooting for people. You know, we had Dylan on the show who for a while, he became a villain and people were rooting against him and that worked because 
we were getting a lot of viewers just because they want to see Dylan versus Garrett. Garrett's the hero. Dylan's the villain. There you, you know? go. Exactly. But, yeah. So that definitely gets a lot more eyeballs. But, you know, I guess it depends on, like, what, why they're the villain. Because if they're a villain for, like, a really bad reason, then they're just not going to be on the show because we don't want, like, actual bad people or, like, people that are actually doing, like, bad things. Like, you know the types of things in poker that are, like, actually bad. And if they're doing one of those things, like, they're just not going to be on the show. We want good people mostly on our show. Not mostly, but we, we want good people on our show. Um, it, it's very hard to get on the show if you're not just, like, a genuinely good person, you know? So, yeah, I don't think we've had many villains. I think heroes are probably more important. But if there is one that makes sense, like a Dylan, then we got to roll with it. Some more uh, polarizing personalities that you may have had on the show. Is that uh, an important thing or uh, just, you know, because that kind of throws sort of like a where's this going to go type of element into the show? Yeah, maybe that's that's more more likely. Yeah, some just person. Yeah, some uh, polarizing personalities where uh, people, you know, either like that person or hate them and they create a stir with things they say. Yeah. I think that can work. Um, I, I think we've had a few of those for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, those are definitely all things that, that factor in like as another thing you could bring to the table. I mean, really anything that is going to make you either have to make people do something that makes people want to watch you play and once makes people interested in you or you have to just be like fun for the game where players want to play with you you know the most important thing is is, is the, the game and like the players right the, like if, if all the player if there was some guy who got a lot of views got a lot of attention but like all the players that played our game were like we don't want to play with this guy then he wouldn't play you know despite being the most popular person in the world that's the work because, as a whole yeah because the, in the grand in, in reality all we're doing is we're putting together private games that happen to be broadcasted to the world for them uh -huh. to see people right. get to watch them. You know, luckily they're, they're able to watch them for entertainment, but really we're, we're putting these together mostly for the players. You know, mm -hmm. they want to play without the players. There's no show, you know, like there's guys that, you know, are losing real money, you know, significant amounts of money in these games yeah. and they're willing to go do it on camera um, if they didn't want to do that, then we just wouldn't have a show. And so that's, that's the biggest thing is finding guys that are willing to, you know, play fun poker, play action, play against better players than themselves, um, gamble, you know, play a lot of hands, bluff it off, whatever. Like if we can find nine guys that, that do all of that, like that's a great show and, and we can't do it without the players. So we always have to prioritize the players first. I would say that, you know, just as poker has evolved, I would say that uh, poker streaming has evolved over the years, certainly since you got involved, uh, you know, back in 2016. Uh, there have been some streams that have come and gone. Uh, you know, they're no longer uh, part of the repertoire people can turn into. Uh, as someone who's obviously evolved his product, uh, you know, your product for, you know, constantly to what it is now as a first rate poker production, uh, you know, with Nick uh, at Hustler Casino Live, what would you say that some of the streams that are no longer with us lacked? Uh, what, what sort of ingredients were they missing that, you know, that's why they didn't succeed in your eyes? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's obviously a few elements, but I would say the number one element is just being able to put together good games. Um, that's the thing that most streams just, you can bring in 
corporate guys to put together fancy toys, but if you can't put together great games, like no one wants to watch and no one wants to play. So that's the number one thing. Um, if you're really good at putting lineups together and putting games together and putting, you know, characters together and big names together, like that's, that's how you're going to have, uh, that's how you're going to have success. And then, you know, if you can also get high quality production, good cameras around it, then, um, then I think people want to watch it. No one wants to watch a crappy production, but they still would to a degree if the games were sick, you know. Um, but they would rather watch that than watch some uh, really sick production with terrible lineups, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. So <laughs> you need both, but, but you know, and the players, the players – most of the players don't really care about the production that much. Like they just want to play in good games. So, right. Interesting. So, okay. So we've got, you know, some, some pretty phenomenal productions right now. Uh, we've got, you know, obviously yourselves has the casino live. We've got, uh, of course, poker go, everything that they do uh, the lodge live, a relaunch of live at the bike. They're, they're really booming. People are really tuning into lots of streams these days. Do you sort of see this as like a, you know, it's great. Everyone's so successful. Or do you sort of feel that there's a little bit of competition? And if it's a competition, is that a good thing? Or do you not care really? Um, I mean, competition is always good. I, I think that it, it, first of all, it's good for poker to just have a lot of streams. And I mean, it's just good for poker, right? It's just, it, it's definitely good. Um, I, I think it pushes us to just be better and just always be looking over our shoulder for sure. Um, I think it's it's interesting that a lot of the streams you can tell are kind of trying to like copy us in different ways and be like us and see our success and pick different things that we're doing, which, you know, I guess that's that's respect. So that's cool. Um, but, you know, we're, we're confident in what we're doing and we're confident that we have the best product, we have the best games and we're always going to be on the top based on how we've done so far. And so we're not really worried about it. Um, okay but it's definitely good to have that and just have more competition and, and more things for people to watch for sure. I mean, sure. If we were the only streaming out there, we'd have more viewers because there'd be nowhere else for people to watch, but you know, it, it, it's, I think overall it's, it's a good thing to have these other streams and, and you know, uh, um, it's just more content for, for poker fans to watch. And, and I think that's good for poker. The rising tide raises all the boats, plenty of pie for everybody to have a slice. I like that. Good, good attitude. Uh, and I think uh, you'll see, you'll continue to see a lot of success with an attitude. Like that, just my personal opinion in there. Yeah. All right. We got to talk about the stream. Of course, you know, uh, uh, everyone knows just a couple of weeks back now, you had the Helmuth and Dwan, the pros. You had uh, Alan Keating, Ludwig, uh, Alexandra Botez, Mr. Beast, Ninja. Did I miss anybody? uh slime was one slime. of the guys yeah right so don't, i didn't want to leave anyone out okay sorry um okay so first of all uh as of uh this show right now what are the current numbers that that show has done it's over a million right uh total views yeah i think i can look i think it's uh around a million on our stream and then Unreal. uh it also um we simulcasted it with ludwig and he has like maybe two million i can look right now um, right but yeah, we had live, we had over, we peaked at over 37,000 were the official numbers um, yeah. on our stream. And then I'm not sure Ludwig's official. He didn't give me, 
It, during the stream, it said 67,500, but it always goes up afterwards once they find the real number. So it's definitely over 70. So total, we probably peaked at like closer to 100, 110,000 people watching. Right. So we have 947,000 people watched uh, our video so far. I think his is like two, close to 2 million or something. It's just absolutely insane. And obviously a number of those creators, you know, after that, you know, with, with the highlights and they took their own take on it, they integrated yeah. a little bit of it. Uh, you know, so there's like, you know, aftershocks from the earthquake. Um, you know, like you said, your your goal is basically to put together the best game. So in a sense, you know, numbers don't matter when you know you've put your best product out there. Still, you see numbers like these. How do you feel? No, I feel great. I mean, it's cool <laughs> just to, to be able to say, like, we put together the most watched poker show ever, uh, live stream ever is is, is pretty cool. Um, it, yeah, I mean... Like in the moment when we were doing it, I'm trying to like focus on making sure the show's great and we don't mess up. And there's a lot of pressure, nerves, and and all of that. And we definitely didn't have like a perfect show in terms of production, but but it was it, it was exciting just to see the numbers roll in. Like I remember three hours before the countdown even started. We have a 30 minute countdown before the show. Right. Like three hours before that, there was like uh there was like six or 700 people just waiting, you know, in the middle of the afternoon for the show to start Guys lining up outside your tickets. You know, like yeah. <laughs> and then when the countdown started, I think there was, I don't remember the numbers, but there was like a few thousand, like when the, like over yeah. 2000, I think when it first started, maybe even more than that. And then I know when we went on the air, there was like over 10,000 people watching. And then we had like a 20 minute intro with interviews and whatnot. And when the first hand was dealt, I believe there was over 20,000 people watching already. So that was, yeah. that was pretty cool just to see the numbers piling in. Um, def, definitely very cool. Uh, can't lie. I wish I could have like been able to breathe and really enjoy the moment more because it was, it's pretty cool, but uh, it's definitely cool just to hear everyone talk about it, seeing all the tweets, um, all the extra coverage, like you said, uh, all like very cool. And it just, uh, motivates me to to try to one up it somehow i don't know if it's possible or even come close but now i'm just constantly thinking about what we do next so i have to admit at this point as far as like all of the uh, content producers and personalities there i i only know mr beast you know like i i followed him for quite a few years actually um i know i've known for a while that he's into poker you know we've seen in the past you know here and there he pops up you know, just happens to be in the Bellagio or he was playing heads up against Helmuth or his friends, whatever. So I knew he's into it. I didn't know about necessarily these other players. You know, you mentioned, you know, how do you put a game together? Well, it's a network that you've sort of built. I'm a little doubtful that he and those other creators are in your Rolodex. So, I mean, again, you don't have to give away the secrets or anything, but like, was this an opportunity that was sort of presented to you or a friend of a friend? Because I know his goal as a content creator is also just, put together the best possible thing that someone wants to watch. And did he sort of say, Oh, well, let's try it with poker. And you know, y'all are, are the best ones out there. Uh, it was a few things combined. Uh, I would say it was just like uh, kind of networking, kind of putting ourselves in the right place at the right time. Hmm. So uh, I had been friends for a while with a few guys who work for uh, a company, they're poker players. They work for a company that uh, represents uh, some poker players, Ivy and Tuan. And before we came on the air back last summer, 
talk to them about possibly putting a show together with Ivy and Duan. Is it possible? And these are just guys that I knew over the years. And so I know now that they were working with, with them. And so um, we ended up getting Ivy and Duan on the show because of that relationship. I remember that. that was also just gigantic. It's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then that was obviously a big deal for us back then. And then um, a, a few months after that, they came to us and said, Hey, um, you know, we're working with Alexander Botez. Um, yeah. We want to put together a night with like just all like streamers and YouTubers. I'm like, sure, that would be cool. That would bring us to a new audience, but I didn't know exactly who. So Alexandra helped put a uh, lineup together and she knew all these people uh, that we had. A, it was five days before this game. We had a creator yeah. night with a bunch of these people on Tuesday. And so she brought a bunch of them. One of them was Ludwig. So when I found out Ludwig was coming, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I know Ludwig is friends of Mr. Beast. I put heads up with them before on a stream um, that they did. And so I was like, I got to like, you know, get to know the Ludwig and, and maybe that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah because, uh, because Mr. Beast was like one of our goals for a long time of getting on the show and like, how okay. do we get him? you know, um, that was the way. So when Ludwig came and started talking to Ludwig, you know, got friendly with him. And after the show I was like, Hey, do you think Mr. Beast would ever want to play? And he's like, well, ask him. And he texted him, Mr. Beast right away. I was like, yeah, sure. And they're like, can we do it this Sunday? And I'm like, yeah like, okay. we'll figure it out yeah <laughs> yeah so within, so within like the next 24 hours we were just wow. like figuring out who would play making sure they're 100 in the details all of that the wires all that so yeah. kind of came together very quick and um you know i started inviting a few players ludwig started inviting a few people ninja right. xqp and um and then it, it it just went from there and we just figured out me and ludwig together how to put together like the perfect lineup amazing you know like when you ask a sort of like a professional poker player, tournament player, you know, okay, you've won the main event. You've done everything there is to do. You know, what do you still want? They said, well, at the end of the day, I just enjoy playing and I want to just keep on doing my best. So in a sense, there's a little bit of a comparison here. I mean, think about, you know, we've gone through your story of, you know, how you, what you wanted to do and accomplish. You've gone through your broadcasting background and you wanted to apply that to poker. You started out, you built it and then, okay, I mean, the, for lack of a better comparison, this is this is the main event. You put on the most watched poker stream of all time. It's not, you know, where do you go from there to higher goals necessarily, but I would ask more, how do you sort of stay motivated once you tick that gigantic item yeah. off your bucket list? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough um, for sure, but, you know, it's still, I just, you know, me and Nick, we just enjoy putting together the best show and being known for having the best show. And, you know, it, there's a big group of like core players that play here in LA that are in our, our player pool who we really care about. And we just want to keep putting weekly games on because these guys just, they just want to play every week. And so we're just going to keep putting games together for them. You know, that kind of is what keeps us going. And, um, you know, when, when an opportunity pops up again for another like highly viewed show, we're going to do it. But, you know, there's motivation to do it because this just happened. You always want, like you said, want to, you know, where do you go from here to the next step? But, you know, um, this is a long-term thing and we just want to have the best show in poker for a long time. There's still a lot of people that haven't watched the show that could watch it. There's still, you know, a lot of people that don't even know about the show in poker somehow. So, you know, we just want to keep evolving it, keep getting more viewers, keep putting out great content. Um, and um, yeah, and keep promoting Hustler and getting people to Hustler. And, and, and we want to make that place the best poker room in LA. 
So, um, you know, it's not a rush. Like maybe in three months, six months, we'll get another sick game like that. Um, things just pop up, you know, um, they, they just kind of happen based on relationships, networking, availability. And so, um, when it happens, it happens. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, an interesting comparison like you made. Um, but you know, it's like, I don't want to like compare our show to, to a athlete or something, but yeah, I mean, how does, you know, Steph Curry, when he wins his first championship, like he's not done, like it's fun. Like you, he loves playing basketball. He's been doing it all his life. So he just wants to do it again. So he's going to try to win the next year, the next year. And if he doesn't win it and his team starts not being good, he's not going to retire. You know, he's just going to keep playing. He enjoys playing and he wants to build a legacy. You know, it's, it's similar for us. Like me personally, like I just want to build a legacy. I just want to be known one day as the guy who put together the six shows and and the best, the best show in poker and, and all these games. And we just want to have the best show for a long time. And so we enjoy it. It's our passion, me and Nick. Um, we love the fans. We love dealing with the players. We love finding new big names to have on the show or new action players from LA or, or whatever it is. And so we're just going to keep coming up with new ideas to evolve our show. Like we're not done. This is the first year, you know, this is nothing, you know? So wait till year two, three, four, it's not going to look the same. It's going to be better. It's going to be better lineups, you know? So there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, we just have to figure out what that is and, how to do it and what money we got to spend to improve sure. the quality. Of that. Sure. Well, you seem very driven to do that. And I guess a little bit telling that you chose a golden state warrior rather than a 76er, but we won't go into that. <laughs> um, just one more question uh, sort of from me before we move into the community questions. Um, you know, when you're putting together the best poker show, almost by definition, you know, who's going to be watching it is poker fans. But I think specifically with, this big creator show, you know, the Mr. Beast, Ludwig, Slime, uh, Ninja, Alexander Botez game, you know, you had a very unique seminal moment to bring in tons of new eyeballs from outside the game, whether they're into, you know, whatever those other gamers, influencers, content creators are into is like, oh, what's this poker thing? And that's something that I think a lot of folks in the industry have always sort of asked themselves, you know, how do we go more mainstream? How do we grow the game? Is that something that sort of occurred to you now after this of like, hey, we, we could do that and that's important? Or has that also sort of always been a goal for you from the get-go of like, let's find a way to grow it beyond just the core audience? Um, so you're, you're saying just, uh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, it's interesting. Like there's a lot of people that watch poker that aren't just poker players, right? Like, like we, we know like our, our, like we know the poker community, right? People that we see at tournament stops or whatever. Right. But then you, you learn as time goes on that like, there's so many people that watch, like, or, or that don't even watch, but just play, enjoy poker. Even if they're just playing with their friends or whatever, like Ninja or Mr. Beast. And as time goes on, you realize you're like, wow, like poker is a huge deal right? Like it's a huge sport. Like it's not just these guys that go play at the WPTs. Like it's people just, you know, like there's people that play poker that know a lot about poker that enjoy it a lot that have no clue who these guys are that are playing WPT tournaments, you know? So you have to find those people and there is a big audience and you have to put 
So we're trying to put a show together where we can get like those people to enjoy watching those random people that just, you know, they're not, they're not these guys that we see on our Twitter feeds every day. They're these guys that are just doing other things that they maybe just watch like WP, WPT or WSOP on TV, right? They're like the more broad audience, not the like niche audience. And so how do we appeal to them? How do we get them to know about our show? And, um, by the way, if my iPad gets down to like 2%, I might have to – actually, I'm just going to have to move it to charge it. But, um, 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 but yeah, so – and I think one of those ways is getting guys like Mr. Beast, Ludwig, athletes, you know, Steph Curry or whoever to play on the show. And now you show them like, look, poker's a big deal. It's not just these like, you know – to a random person, they might be like, oh, they're just nerdy poker players, you know. But if you show them like, hey, look – Everyone loves poker. Mr. Beast's poker, um, you know, this, you know, whatever. This famous, you know, what if we got like Elon Musk to play or something? You know? I don't know. <laughs> saying like, there's like, everyone loves poker. Like Michael Jordan probably plays. So how do we get those people involved somehow? And that's always the goal is like, let's get these mainstream people on with poker players to bring right. the industry together to show like, hey, these guys can, can like, that doesn't happen in other sports, right? You can't put a, a basketball game together where it's like Joe Schmo, you know, and Steph Curry on the court yeah, together. Right, right. But poker, you can, and they can compete, and it's fair. You know, you can put together an athlete, a YouTube star, right. and a poker pro, and look what happened when we put it together. The pros didn't do well, and these guys that don't play poker that much – Mr. Beast, Ludwig, Alex, Botez, they crushed. Like, they won, like, 1.3 million combined, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah maybe because Keating decided to play crazy, but um, that's For the what good does, of the but, game. For the good of the game. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, this is that's how poker is. You know, Keating's yeah. been playing forever, and he could have easily crushed and won a million as well. Yep. It just shows that, like, these guys, like, have a chance, and we can get other mainstream celebrities to play, too, that just really love the game of poker. And they have a chance. And, and and my goal when that happens is to put together a lineup that they're going to enjoy and have fun and actually have a chance to win it. You know, I don't want to put them in a game with like, I'm not going to bring some Mr. Beast in with like eight super tight pros. Like that's not fair. Here's a lineup. They're going to enjoy it. And right. so that's, that's how we're able to put something together that people actually like really, really enjoyed watching. And people are talking about how this is like the coolest poker game ever. It's because of the mix of, you got, two big name poker pros who aren't like super tight crushers or something, you know, like Phil are different, you know, and then you got Keating who's action and then you got these YouTube stars, like the combination is what makes it cool. Right. For sure. And, you know, I I just want to point out one little thing that you did mention because you mentioned basketball, maybe, I don't know if you're aware of this, but remember the MTV rock and jock, they did kind of, okay. So they did kind of do that a little bit. of. Yeah, that was cool. It was very gimmicky, but that was, uh, yeah, that was, that's a great example. And and people love that, even though the quality of basketball wasn't great, people watched it and talked about it. The 25, 35 shot. And uh, they had like a, I remember a young Justin Bieber, I think, was was putting up threes over there. Michael Rappaport, I remember that stuff. Oh, that was like the NBA. So that was like the celebrity game at the All Star. Okay, game. right, right. That's it. yeah, but but, see, but but that too was very cool too. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we'll do like a, t- a very quick uh, rapid fire, just like you know, off the top of your head. What's what's your answer to these few questions, and we'll get into the audience questions. Um, what is your favorite non poker TV show to watch? Um, uh, duh, 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 duh. um, well, I, I'll watch like different series and, and whatnot, but I would say like, uh, 
clock. I would say the office. I'll say the office. Okay, good. Just trying to get into yeah. the, to the yeah, yeah. During set. the pandemic, I just watch, I like binge watch it like five times the whole. Nice. Okay. Movie. What is your favorite poker movie not named Grounders? Uh, Molly's Game. Nice. Okay, good one. Is there a secret to beating LA traffic? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what are the yeah, best? Drive, drive in the middle of the night. There you go. What are the best and worst parts of living in LA besides the traffic, obviously? Uh, best part, I would say, just the weather. It's just relaxing. Um, worst part besides the traffic, the uh, expensive. Okay, fair, <laughs> cool. Um, what is uh, who is the most famous non-poker person you've met? Uh, most famous. Not poker person I met. Uh, I mean, like I said, I worked in basketball for a while, so uh, I, I've met like Steph Curry, Giannis. Nice. Uh, I guess I, I've been next to LeBron. I guess I never really met him. Um, We're in, within his aura, okay. I've never met him. Yeah, I, I'll that's pretty famous. Yeah, I would say Steph Curry or Giannis off the top of my head. I would say. Cool. Okay, and last uh, rapid one. Uh, what's the best restaurant in LA? Matsuhisa. Matsuhisa. All right. In this segment of our show, we turn to you guys, our Cards Chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. We have a dedicated thread on the Cards Chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, please be sure to send in your questions. The first one comes from Chica Bonita. Um, Chica Bonita wants to know, um, are there any projects in which you plan to take part in the near future that are not related to Hustler Casino Live? Um, nothing planned. Uh, you know, it, there might be opportunities down the road where we do something like related to our show that we expand, you know, at a different casino or something, but there, there's nothing like planned right now. Right now, the focus is just Hustler Casino Live. Okay. Acid Burn FX always asks some interesting creative ones. This is the definition of changing gears, Ryan. Uh, Acid Burn FX wants to know, what would you change if you could go back in time and why? Like for myself or for so the as world? as wide or as narrow as you want on that one. What would... Uh... <laughs> exactly. That reaction right there. People aren't watching. You're just listening. That reaction is what I get when I see these questions sometimes, but... They, are, they often unearth some interesting what little nuggets. I, I could go back and, I mean, what, what could I even change? Uh, I don't know. Give me a Let's say within your own life. Let's go a little narrow, just to specify. Uh, I would, well, I would make a lot of better financial decisions, that's for sure. Okay. Um, I would, uh, uh, well, I guess I could easily, all of us would say this, but I could, and I could have invested in Bitcoin and Ethereum a lot earlier than I did. There you go. Uh, but then I could also say that I should have pulled out of it a lot. Right. Sooner too. <laughs> that's fair. That's One of those two would have been the right answer, I guess. I, that's fair. A fair take. Yeah. Uh, another one from Asset Burn FX. Which one of your responsibilities do you wish you could either get rid of or delegate to someone else? Uh, interesting. I, I actually... Like a lot of the things I do, why I do so much is because I just enjoy doing it and I like trust myself to do those things. But um, 
So, I mean, honestly, like if there was something that I wanted to like, delegate to do to someone else, um, I probably would have done it already. Um, but I would say like in the future, at some point in the next year or two, I'm going to have to like scale back a little bit because it's just so much work. And so right. I'll have to find somebody that I can bring in that I trust that, that me and Nick trust to like build lineups and, and be in the control room and oversee things yeah. like I'm out. And so if I could find somebody that is really good at those skills that can do it um, like two days a week, let's say, so that I can be home two days a week. So I could focus on the more the Friday games and the more big project games. Then I would say that just having somebody who can build some of the, um, like, let's say Wednesday and Thursday shows and then like be in the control room and oversee everything. I, I would say that, that, that finding someone to do that role, definitely. Like, I don't, I don't want to find someone to do social media f- for me because I like doing it or, or overseeing video content or, you know, building Friday lineups. Like I, I don't need any of that, but just maybe some of the lesser shows like the, the Wednesday, Thursday or Monday, Wednesday or something like that. Maybe just having someone that I, that I trust that knows how to like put games together, but it's just hard to find that person. Because they don't, it's hard to like, like it's your earlier. baby. It's your yeah, baby. Exactly. I get it. And it's hard for me to like teach someone the formula. It's just, you either get it or you don't, you know? Right. That's fair. We'll do two more questions uh, before we call it a show here. Crystal, thank you very much for submitting these. Uh, Crystal's wants to know, uh, Ryan, in your opinion, could any of those content creators from the big game be successful playing poker for a living versus what they typically do? Well, I mean, it's hard to say because these guys are really smart. And I think if they took it serious and they played in good games, which they obviously could get into good games based on who they are. Um, I, I think they could, um, a couple of them. I think that if Alex Botez got the right coaching and put enough time into it, she's obviously really smart to be that good at chess. I think that she could, and, um, she could get in the right game. So probably her, um, number one, because she, she has a lot of like fundamentals down, I would say. And, um, you know, I even saw her like four bet light a couple of times. I saw her like bluff a couple of times. Um, and then, yeah, I would say I was really impressed by Ninja actually. Like I thought Ninja had a really good sense for the game. I was really surprised. Like I thought he was, he was like really like smart and and good. He like got poker. He like understood it. And, uh, I was, I was really impressed. So, I mean, I'm sure, I know he said his, um, I think his brother plays poker and I think he played a lot when he was younger. So I'm sure if Ninja put a lot of time into it, he could do well in some, some juicy games. Of course, uh, instrumental in the thumbnail of the millennium uh, yeah. together with Phil Hotman. Just an incredible screen cap. Uh, last question for you again from Crystal's. Uh, Ryan, uh, Crystal wants to know, do you ever see Hustler Casino hosting a massive poker series that could rival those taking place in Las Vegas? Yeah, absolutely. It's just a matter of space. Um, it's not a huge poker room. And, um, you know, there's there's table games as well. And so it's just about finding space. So if we could maybe um, expand at some point and build another room, I think that that would, that would definitely help. And um, I think that the direction we're going right now and the momentum the show is helping to, to build for the poker room there, I think that we could definitely get, you know, a WBT or, or some, some big series to come there at some point soon. We just need to find the space to be able to hold it. But Sean Yapel, the GM there, does a great job. And I think that he's constantly trying to come up with, you know, ways to, to be creative and, and try to, you know, get some big events there. 
good uh, note on which to end. And I want to just thank you, everyone who sent in questions for Ryan Feldman and another friendly reminder to all of you out there in the Cards Chat community. We'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Guys, please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you like the show. Ryan, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to tell our audience? Um, no, just thank you to everyone who watches the show. And um, if you ever have any feedback, ideas, anything like that, we're very open. Feel free to just contact us on social media. And um, we appreciate give us the, it. the addresses there. Yeah. So Twitter is at HCL Poker Show, HCL Poker Show. And then Instagram is at Hustler Casino Live. And um, yeah, just make sure you watch us on YouTube on Hustler Casino Live every Monday through Friday. And you can check out all the old videos in our archive. And uh, we appreciate everyone who watches and supports. And it really does mean a lot. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Ryan Feldman. Thank you all for tuning in once again to another episode of Cards Chat. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at CardClearLife. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.